What has pursued me all the way are the words with which the passage ends. The final words of Jesus in chapter 16. Um, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Be of good heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now they say context is everything. So just a little bit of context because this is the end of chapter 16. And um, there's a very interesting part of John's gospel because in at the end of chapter 12, it's basically the end of Jesus' public ministry. That's the first 12 chapters of, of, of John's gospel. And from chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, it's really Thursday night. And of course, Jesus on the next day will be, will be murdered, will be on the cross. And the words that come into my mind straight away as I read those last, those few, 30 words, whatever it is, at the end of chapter 16, are Jesus' final words on the cross, it is finished. And they sound, it, it, there seems to be a kind of a similarity. Uh, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Then within hours on the cross, it is finished. Now, the context is, 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 is a little bit more than that. Um, in chapter 13 and 14, John, uh, John uh, tells us about Jesus in the upper room. And so we have uh, two chapters, 13 and 14, with the well-known washing feet and some well-known words that Jesus uses. And then at the end of chapter 15, uh, 14, the end of chapter 14, uh, the little phrase, and can be missed. Come now, let us leave. So it seems to me that as we read through chapter 13 and 14, we're in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples, the washing of the feet. And then at the end of chapter, at the end of the, the uh, 14th chapter, they leave the upper room and begin their walk to the Garden of Gethsemane. Chapter 17 is sometimes called the High Priestly Prayer. Chapter 17, which is the next chapter on, is a, an account, a long account of a prayer that Jesus prays, presumably in the Garden of Gethsemane. All the other disciples tell us is that he prays that the Father will take this cup away from me, yet not my will, but your will. But chapter 17 of John is a much longer prayer. So there's much, much, much more uh, prayed in the garden. However, before you get to that, you have the, we have chapters 15 and 16, at the end of which we are now, and that's presumably Jesus talking to the disciples on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, ending with the words, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And what does that mean? It's an anticipation of what's about to happen, his death and resurrection. So what, how, do, how are we to understand this? Well, one, one way of understanding those words, the I've said these things to you, etc., is that it's just a conclusion of the little bit of conversation that Jesus has just had with the disciples and it's been a bit of banter about a little while you'll see me no more, a little while you will see me. And that goes backwards and forwards a little bit as, they, as they're walking to the garden. They're at first, they're at first um, confused by what that means and sort of the penny drops and they say, oh, now we understand. Now you don't have to talk to us in figures. We know what you're talking about. 
Um, and then he just brings them down to earth again and says, you're all going to desert me, you know. You're all going to go to your own home and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be left by you guys. But of course I won't be left. My, the Father will be with me. I actually think the phrase, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace, does not just refer to that little bit of banter at all. I think it's almost referring to the rest of the gospel. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now, I think it's a much bigger idea than it first may appear to us. It's the second time in these four chapters, which is all conversation on those two or three hours before Good Friday, so the Thursday night, it's the second time he's talked about peace. Earlier in the end, before they'd got up and left the room and gone on their walk to the garden, Jesus had already said this phrase to you, this sentence to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's the second time he's talked about peace in this, this sense of peace that we, his followers, may discover, may find in him. What does he mean by this? And it seems to me that it's very, one is very clear that there is a strong link between Jesus' words and his followers' experience of peace. What is peace? Well, of course, for many in the world, peace is some kind of oblivion, isn't it? You know, some kind of tranquility or whatever brought on by whatever, chemicals, drugs, alcohol, almost a sense of oblivion. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Jesus is talking about a, a new kind of awareness of reality, the kind of world we live in, of understanding the reality of the world we inhabit, but not getting to us, not overwhelming us. I give you peace. And he links it in these words that I'm referring to, I have said these things to you so that you may have peace in me. In the world you'll have trouble, but don't be worried. I've, I've dealt with that. I've overcome the world. Now, what, what is this peace we find in Jesus? I, I think we, we often think peace of mind and, and tranquility and oblivion and all the worries gone and we just sit here and we haven't got a problem in the world. I don't think Jesus is talking about that at all. I think Jesus is talking about an, an awareness of the reality of the, of the world around us. You won't remember, but let me remind you that the, the gospel opens with an, an opening statement of 18 verses called the prologue. And has been sent a number of times in this series on John's gospel Almost every single idea that emerges throughout the 21 chapters of John's Gospel appears at first in the prologue. There's hardly, an, some would argue, not a, there's not an idea in the rest of the Gospel that hasn't already been introduced to us in the prologue in the first 18 verses. And right at the heart of that is a dose of reality for his followers. 
And I don't know that for 2,000 years the church has really taken this on board. I mean, overall. It talks about Jesus being in the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him, but the world did not recognise him. Let's take that one on board. He came to his own home, that's Israel. And they wouldn't have a bar of him. They wouldn't receive him. And then this little word, but... To all who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the power to become the children of God. And their friends, is the peace of God. It's first of all a dose of high reality. We live in this kind of world. A world that on the whole can look God in the face and turn their backs and ignore him. A world that for 2,000 years Israel had been prepared for him. And he comes into their midst and he lives the most magnificent life that any being on this planet has ever lived and they won't have a bar of him. They reject him. They do their best to kill him. And yet there is this but, but, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become the children of God. And there, you see, is peace. It isn't tranquility. It isn't oblivion. It isn't a state of unconsciousness. It's a state of heightened awareness of the realities around us. It will not allow Christianity, Jesus will not allow us to be romantics. We cannot romance away the realities of the world in which we live. He himself knew what it was to be abandoned. He himself knew what it was to be opposed. He knew what it was to suffer. And yet somehow or other, in the centre of his suffering, of his abandonment of the opposition that, in, that completely and utterly surrounded him, he, he knew peace. Why? Because he knew God, his Father. At the very centre of his core, the very core of his being, at the very centre of his understanding of himself and his relationship with God, his Father, was his relationship with God. And he says to you and to me, and you may enter into that too. Receive me, believe in me, and you will have the same identity and, 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 and relationship with God my Father as I have. That's the promise. And that's why he can say, peace I give you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Throughout the Gospel of John... And it gives credence, it gives power to these words of Jesus at the end of chapter 16. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have opposition, you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. Now think about it. Some of the best known verses in the Bible, and you, you, you may not know them off by heart, but you'll know them as soon as they're mentioned and just off the top of my head. Occur, occur where? In John's Gospel. The ones I read it from, the, from the prologue. 
he was in the world, the world was made by him, the world wouldn't have a bar of him, he came to his own home. They wouldn't receive him, but to all who did. And then the conversation with Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then in the same chapter, third chapter of John, these used to be called the best known words of God so loved the world he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him, in him shall not perish, but has already has eternal life. Peace has already has eternal life. And there are so many more statements. The conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well in chapter 4 of John's Gospel. But jump right through. The words with which we begin every funeral. I am the resurrection and the life. He who has faith in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Peace I give you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then you come into the conversation itself in the upper room. Public ministry finishes. Jesus withdraws to be with the twelve, one of whom is going to betray him. And there in the upper room, these magnificent words, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. By this shall the whole world know that you are mine, that you have this mutual love one for another. This is the badge I want you to wear in the unbelieving, opposing world. Love. The sort of love that I'm about to display when I go to the cross for you. And then the words again we use is how many funerals have we been asked to read? Oh, can we have the opening words of chapter 14? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. These words followed me all the way to Perth. You can't get them out of your mind once you really begin to think about it. I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, yes, yes, yes. Loved ones get Alzheimer's, dementia. Child gets cancer. Awful things happen. People's lives get turned upside down. Terrible car accidents. People maim for life. Awful things happen in our world. Awful, awful things happen in our world. It's not just that Christians are opposed, like the... Ancient Christians of the Middle East getting on the plane in Perth. We saw a great group of Orthodox priests with all the clobber on getting onto a plane. They'd been to something or other. I said to Margie, you know, that mob back in the Middle East, they're having a terrible time. Terrible time. It's not just that. But that's the reality. That's the world we live in. And yet somehow or other, in the midst of this turbulent, cyclonic world... In which we live, there is a centre of calm, and that calm is Jesus. And it's got nothing to do with church, and it's got nothing to do with anything else. It's all to do with you and him 
and his words. I have said these things to you. So the most precious thing in your life, the most, the most precious thing you can do with your life is to fill your life, your mind, with the words of Jesus. Because those words of Jesus, for us words can be just something we throw off and forget about, but not for Jesus. His words are eternal life. His words are truth. His words are so powerful, they lead us to God. It's through his words that we receive him and believe in him and discover the unassailable peace of God that has overcome the world. Amen.